Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Suck Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Suck Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. (sighs) Happy Wednesday. How's it going? Staying, keeping my head above water. Yeah. Um, yeah, had some personal challenges recently that really kind of, um, yeah, set me back. I think like that's that's kind of like we're all just trying to, to yeah. stay focused and uh, alive. Yes, that's generally where I'm at right now. Like, yeah. ooh, I woke up. This is exciting. Right. Victory today, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Sammy and I were just talking about how like sometimes it's kind of exhilarating to fall asleep on the couch because you wake up and you're like, oh, this is different. Oh, I'm still in my house. I'm just in a different part of it. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's the, it's the spice of life right now. <laughs> Waking up in different rooms. It really is. Um, thank you listeners so much for those of you who listened to yesterday's episode. It really does mean a lot to us that people press play every day. Um, Caitlin, I was just telling Caitlin what happened with yesterday's episode. And also we've been having some just like weird close calls with recording like across the sup. And I'm convinced there's some like witchy GOP energy trying to mess with our mojo. I'm I'm very suspicious. So I'm recording from like eight places right now. <laughs> I'm sure they're coming after us. This is where they know they know where their enemies are. That's that's why. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm flattered. So, I mean, today we're going to talk about some other Democrats that aren't doing great. We're Democrats that aren't doing great. (laughs) There are quite a few Democrats that are not doing great, definitely on a spectrum, uh, having gotten themselves into various degrees of trouble, not all um, in equal trouble. Uh, Let's start by discussing Neera Tandon's withdrawal from consideration for director of the Office Management and Budget. Been waiting for the day I was going to put this in the podcast So the Biden administration stood by Tandon's nomination for longer than most expected. I was actually reminded today, I forgot about this, that they nominated her even before Democrats won the Senate. So they were going in pretty confident and pretty hard with this. But on Tuesday, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski indicated to the White House that she would not be supporting Tandon's nomination. And without that vote, Tandon had no path and asked Joe Biden to withdraw her nomination. So we mentioned this on the podcast before, but defeated or withdrawn nominations are super duper rare. This is only the 28th time it's happened. And Biden says that he plans to find another place for Tandon in the administration. Now, since the Tandon story really heated up, I've heard a lot of feedback from our audience that there were reasons beyond the tweets that made Neera Tandon a poor choice. And I thank you guys for bringing that to our attention. The tweets, of course, were directed at members of both parties. Uh, Tandon's a Clinton loyalist who doesn't really have any kind words for Bernie Sanders. 
But also there's really good evidence that she and the Center for American Progress at least really mishandled sexual harassment situations. And to a pretty serious degree, at one point, Tandon even said the victim's name in a meeting where she shouldn't have. And this was after reports had already come out that they were bungling the way they handled this. That's really serious. And there's certainly a conversation to be had uh, if that was that's disqualifying. That's unacceptable. But I don't know. I, I don't think that's the reason that Tandon's nomination was withdrawn. What do you think? I mean, that was absolutely not the reason <laughs> Tandon's nomination was withdrawn. Oh, you didn't properly handle sexual harassment, says the Republican Party that supported Donald Trump and, and Roy Kavanaugh. Like, we could go through the list of every Republican who has not appropriately dealt with sexual harassment or assault. And I mean, basically, it would be all day. In fact, we the should list of, that would be shorter of the one correctly. exactly. Yeah, you have done it correctly is a much is much easier giveaway. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's kind of obviously that's not the reason, and I I think some people just can't let go of 2016. And you know, I'm a person who who I, I'm carrying a lot of trauma from that year. I think we all are, yeah, especially yeah. it's been an ongoing traumatic situation. But there's some people who are just like living in the primary of 2016. Yeah. Do anything else. And to those people, I'd like to say Hillary Clinton still lost the general election. She still won that primary clearing away. You all need to move on now because Joe Biden is president. Right. Cool. But like, it almost feels like I need to do the same thing for them as I do for Republicans. Like your person didn't win. Right. You're going to have to move on. And nobody was like, I don't think Bernie Sanders was particularly angry. I don't think Bernie Sanders was saying like, yeah, I'm going to vote against her. I don't think that yeah, was actually. That didn't happen. But I, I think that one of the things that's really difficult about our modern age of politics is, you know, there's a definite loss of politics as the art of the possible. And people just aren't as familiar with the fact that there are ways you can make things easier or harder for a nominee. Um, there are ways that you can make things easier or harder for a piece of legislation. There are ways that you can structure things so that way you have less of this problem. Um, and if you know where the pressure points are in the system, as somebody who spent more than 30 years in the Senate, possibly, who's now president, could possibly know um, you yeah. should, you, you're probably pretty aware of what does and does not get somebody through a process. So I, I think did Bernie wasn't like personally offended. And I think that if you get personally offended very often in politics, you're not going to make it to the place where you're running campaigns. But I also think that he, this particular thing about the tweets yeah, I think that he was being petty. I think that he set up the discussion so it would be about near attendance tweets, which is complete bullshit. Like, mm -hmm. there are lots of reasons to oppose near attendance for OMB, although, I mean, this not really. She was still held to a higher standard. Like, like I said, like, this is absolutely a conversation worth having if those are disqualifying things, especially in this climate and how we want to hold people accountable for those types of things. But she was obviously still head to a higher standard. Joe Manchin confirmed Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and even for people who are on our side of the aisle, like, I, I think it's really important to say, like, Democrats have not come up with some sort of foolproof plan for people who 
you know, engage in sexual harassment. Um, you know, there are still people who are angry about Al Franken. I still get people who are mad about that. Like, no, you can't you can't both think near Tandon is disqualified from this job on the basis of how she ran cap and be mad about Al Franken. These two things don't go together. And by mad about Al Franken, what are they mad about? That he was, that he did resign? No, he was like, he was a a comedian who was funny, who was getting all this kind of good attention for the Democratic Party. And then he was forced out, you know, because of identity politics. Right. And, And there's a certain category of people. And then also, if we're going to talk about mishandling sexual harassment, claims let's not leave Sanders own 2016 campaign out of that discussion if we're going to talk about consistency everybody's got to open up their books yep. so I don't think Tandon while she what she did was wrong how she handled it was bad yeah if that had been the discussion first of all no Republican would have an argument because they can't and most Democrats would not do well in that argument either, which is probably why it was never made and why instead we're talking about whether or not she said some mean thing about Lisa Murkowski once. Right, exactly. I know. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. As this has been coming up, I've been thinking a lot about how in the past four years, tweeting in a really, I mean, the reward system for Twitter is famously fucked up. And People have built incredible followings by being really reactive and um, having very strongly worded tweets. I'm not saying that I've, we've never done that, but it's something that's been rewarded. And now I think we're entering maybe the phase where it's going to come back back around, I guess, or we're going to suddenly be looking at, there are a lot of people like Neera Tandon who, who spent the last four years building their brand off something that might not age well. Um, or we're just going to decide that tweets, everybody tweets and it doesn't matter. I've been seeing lots of headlines like this is just the new way that people are going to get not confirmed anymore. It's not going to be because they like wrote in their high school paper that they like hated immigrants. It's going to be because of their tweets. Do you think, what do you think? Well, as someone who lives on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I got to uh, tell you, I'm, this I'm is gonna... against canceling people for yeah. their tweets. Um, <laughs> but... It wasn't until this happened, like, 
Okay. I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. Like I hadn't ever like totally ruled out ever working for government. So I guess in my head, I'd never totally ruled out maybe being in a, you know, you fantasize in a position where you'd be confirmed. And then after this, I'm like, oh, that, that's ain't never, ha- that's never happening for me. <laughs> it's I mean, over. if you go through my likes, there's, you should just not just ignore my likes for the most part, unless I'm actually like retweeting or something like that. Cause let me tell you, it's oh, just the likes. It, oh. I'm just scrolling through whatever, whatever is just like, okay, that's some dopamine. Like it, it it's, it's, it's all it, it's all it. There's nothing there. That's like that's logical. True. If you're trying to find some sort of pattern, be like, this is what Caitlin really believes. I'll be like, well, you're just going to find out that I'm crazy because what's going on up here is that's why that's why nobody's supposed to like that's why that's not how twitter works like you're not supposed to like go to somebody's twitter feed and read them all like no it's a cue if you ever just look at my twitter feed too it would be very strange yeah and and so oftentimes i'm like reacting in the moment now i'm i've been lucky enough that i feel comfortable with my twitter archive that i wouldn't feel that i need to delete a large amount overwhelmingly i think that if you go back to my earlier tweets you'll find like that I'm right. So that's generally why I keep them preserved. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing is, is that like, ultimately what you're doing is you're reacting in a moment. And that's what Twitter is there for. It is not Mm -hmm. for long, thoughtful conversation. This is true. Anyone who spent enough time on Twitter will tell you that's not what you're doing. And I want to be clear that Neurotainum was beset by troll, like very vicious very abusive troll. Racist and sexist. Racist, sexist. I mean, we're talking about her getting death threats, people suggesting that she should die, that her life is worthless. Like, this is not, like, some casual shit. Like, she was out there doing all of that and, you know, fighting back to the degree that she could. And, like, as as somebody who puts curses in her Twitter bio so that way no one's confused when you glance at my feed... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like wow that girl curses a lot like i put it in the bio you right know you know what? you know what you're getting into <laughs> you know but yeah i think that it's important for us to recognize that especially with those of us who have come of age in the internet age that we've come of age online we all have pretty murky histories that we're gonna have to answer for at some point or another and it's not realistic going forward as the millennial generation ages into these roles that now have to be filled in government that people who are gen x and millennial and then we've got gen z right but gen z is screwed if this is the new standard i don't know what y'all gonna do they've got tiktoks when they're like seven and shit right if we're all like oh i was our worst shit it's like oh i was on facebook as a teenager i was dumb but it's like now you're gonna be held they're gonna be held accountable for stuff they did when they were 11 like we need to we all need to either set back and be like we need to accept that internet conduct is gonna follow different rules and then set a boundary for what is completely unacceptable in internet conduct, I think so, telling someone to go die in a fire, for example, probably yeah. above on the internet conduct. Maybe, maybe yeah. if you if you write it out instead of putting the acronym, because I think we we've all dropped the acronym at one point or another, <laughs> and we're not serious. That's it's shorthand for a reason, just like right. WTF. But <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you actually want that to happen. And I think if you've been abusive online, you do have to hold account for that. And I think once you do it past the age of like 20, yeah, you should be held accountable. I think like yeah. teenagers just in general have brains that are not quite there yet. And we should be kinder to them. 
Yes. They're children. Okay. <laughs> I know that literally some of them are adults, but they're all children. Now that I'm 30, I'm 32. I, uh, uh, they're all children. Okay. Your going to come out tomorrow and she'd be like, okay, so I have something to tell you all. I'm actually 22. So I tweeted those when I was 19. I know I look really. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. She's a professional. She should, I mean, obviously she should be held yeah. to a professional standard, but at the same time, if we're all held account to what our Twitter accounts look like, I mean, we're either going to have a very boring Twitter universe, which I'm against generally, yeah, um, or we'll just continue, or we'll we'll disqualify huge numbers of people. I mean, I made a joke the other week, which is like, if you're if you're being disqualified based on mean tweets, then who would have staffed a Bernie Sanders administration? <laughs> <laughs> there just would have been truly, nobody. there would have been nobody there. There would have been nobody there. No. And Bernie would be like, "It's fine, I can handle it. I'll do it." <laughs> just do the entire thing. The West Wing just empty and just <laughs> at the resolute desk. <laughs> As, well, he's just like everybody gets an even share. That's it. What else is there to do? <laughs> Perfect. This, this tannin, uh, yeah, I mean, the tannin story sucks because it's just, it seems kind of humiliating and it sucks watching her go through this. I mean, learning more about her background and maybe working with her was like not, but when you find out more about anyone that's gotten, this might sound terrible, when you when you find out more about anyone who's gotten to like a big leadership position, you're going to hear stories from people for, that had a perspective that was super negative and some of them are going to be, uh, you I mean, everybody think about your own work situation. And like, if somebody you worked for got nominated for something, you'd probably be like, oh, well, that's annoying. And maybe you would have a story where they came off like really badly. That The situation with Tannen is not that. Uh, what she did is like saying a survivor's name is pretty. But do you think that like, do you think that the, I don't want to say the Democrats were applying a purity test to Neera Tannen because with the sexual harassment thing, that, that doesn't really count. But let's say that was out of the picture and they just didn't like that she was so partisan and had attacked progressives because there were a lot of people that didn't like that. Do you think that if we keep applying these like purity tests from the left that we're just going to slow ourselves down? Oh, uh, purity test from the left. Well, looking forward to the day's worth of trolls in my mentions now. Um, no, but uh, I think... I think one of the biggest problems is like how we don't give, there's no second chances when you are a woman of color. There's very rarely, I mean, white women occasionally get second chances depending on how they, their relationship with patriarchy and power. But very often, like if you're a woman of color, you don't get a second chance. You don't get to explain yourself again. You don't get to reinvent yourself you know, Brett Kavanaugh shouts down a senator red facing, I like beer. And everyone's like, well, I guess he's just going to be in the Supreme Court forever now. Mm-hmm. And there's no ever effort to be like, well, that was complete bullshit. The entire process was bullshit. And we should get, a, there should be a clear investigation of what the hell happened there because we have probably a sexual predator, another one on the Supreme yeah. Court. So like, the fact that there wasn't a discussion about that, like, oh, we just got to get wiped clean and then everyone doesn't have to take responsibility for that vote. No one, they're all allowed to just say something new again about how near attendance not good enough. And mm-hmm. it's like, to what extent, to what purpose are we doing this to keep women of color from having opportunities to reinvent themselves and to show that they are capable of growth and maturity, that they're capable of understanding what they did wrong and improving, it's, it's like there's no space for that. And I think that there are a lot of people who are happy to apply purity tests when 
that's not going to be applied to them because they're allowed to reinvent themselves. They're very happy to say, oh, this person's not pure enough because to them, purity is ends up being associated with whiteness, with the ability to reinvent yourself, with the second chance, with the clarity and uh, of being able to say, oh, no, I just made a mistake. The amount of times that white people are allowed to make mistakes and then rebound from those mistakes versus what happens to women of color, you know, like, that's all I'm going to say about that. That's that's that. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like this came up. That was amazing. I feel like this came up a lot during um, when Kamala Harris was running for president, too. And I think it's what felled her presidential campaign for those exact reasons, because people seem to want her to come out with better explanations for her past actions but she probably knew that would just make her look like flaky and flip-floppy and that she didn't have a strong perspective. Like, and as we're talking about this, I think with Neera Tandon, it's like the white senators, which is almost all of them, it's, it's, it's 98 of them, right? Okay. <laughs> See Neera Tandon and they're like, she's, they know she's different and they decide, oh, it's because of the tweets. It's like, you were already primed to see her as different and not quite right. And so they're, instantly like attach all of that to her where it, it wouldn't have. It's just because they were already suspicious. She's not like us. And it's because of the tweets. It's not because of the tweets. It's not because of the attitude. It's not even because of the past uh, leadership problems. It's because she, you don't think she's like you and therefore is not good or can't get better. Like you, all There's white men can. There's also thing about hating the Clintons and still punishing yes. them for, for striving, for specifically Hillary. There's something very powerful about Neera Tandon being a Hillary loyalist. Uh, I'm confused as to why people think that people aren't still loyal to the Clintons. They were just the only reason the Democratic Party had executive power after the Reagan 80s. Like, you can hate them as much as you want. I think there are a lot of very rational reasons to dislike the Clintons. But the kind of irrational thing where you prohibit somebody who liked them and was close to them who is good at other things and does their job in other ways and is qualified for a position because they are loyal to Hillary Clinton. So you're punishing them for that. There's a kind of deep sickness. And I think Mm -hmm. the more time I get away from 2016, the more, I mean, I always knew it was smelling of misogyny, but now it's like, like something died in the walls. You know, it's just, (laughs) the misogyny. Yeah, I mean, we still elected Joe Biden who like, actively was friends with segregationist sec- senators who did he bad things. He still has not apologized. He, hasn't. he still has not. He's trying to be friends with Nazis right now. And people are like, I know it's just what we can do. And I, and I get that. There's a certain amount of fatalism for black people. Like, you know, the best white person is just going to be want to be friends with Nazis. That's just how it goes. <laughs> but that is not, <laughs> that's not what we need to accept. And like Joe Biden is significantly far further to the right than Hillary Clinton. People yes. are running around all the time talking about how he's good enough. And they, they went in and they did the work for him because we were facing fascism, which we were the first time. Right. And I'm here looking at him being like, but you need to punish Neera Tandon for being loyal to Hillary Clinton. That's what's really important right now. Yeah. I mean, we already saw that bear out in the election where Biden overperformed Hillary in some of those areas for no other reason than he was just like... And underperformed with the brown people. I wonder why. (laughs) Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection— 
Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This is especially jarring to see these standards applied to women of color when this is a perfect segue. The Democratic establishment is not really doing the same for the nation's most well-known governor. On Monday, we discussed uh, some of the most recent allegations against Governor Andrew Cuomo. Things have gotten worse and worse. Another woman has come forward, most recently Anna Ruck. She, um, I think she worked for Obama at the time or... Um, she was working in politics, but she wasn't working for, for the governor, but she met him at a wedding. He was creepy to her. He like put his hand on her back and like asked to kiss her or something and then grabbed her face. You've probably seen the picture. So on top of the nursing home situation, it seems very clear to me that Andrew Cuomo no longer has like the confidence of the people of New York. Like he just doesn't seem to have um, like a mandate to govern right now. And I do think it's absolutely fair to say that if he were a Republican, Democrats might be, would be in the streets. Um, And we're seeing some of that. I mean, I think the the white house, Saki responded on behalf of the white house. She said, basically like, we believe women when they come forward and we hope everybody will be heard. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who has obviously been asked a lot about this because she was the one that uh, most, the first one, I think to call for Al Franken to resign said basically the same thing. Like, I hope there's a full investigation and these women are courageous for coming forward, but it's not really the energy that we're used to seeing when it is Republicans or just non-Democrats that are accused of this. Do you, have you been seeing that? Do you feel like there's a little bit of a double standard? Um, I mean, yeah, there's a double standard. I think there's a combination of a lot of different things. One is that Republicans are opportunistically jumping in and asking for his resignation which then puts democrats in the position of being like oh you people are just operating in bad faith you just want to get rid of andrew cuomo this is not about believing women that's true you 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 are bad and us agreeing with you makes us feel bad which is the good and natural reaction to anything that a republican says this is where we are now automatically whenever you're agreeing with a republican be like am i wrong i could be wrong Mm-hmm. You, you should just always have that thought in your head. So I do understand Democrats wanting to be like, let's be careful with this and not rush to judgment on this one. Not because Andrew Cuomo is beloved, because he is not. That man fucked around and found out. That is absolutely <laughs> where we are at. He's been a bully. He's been famously a bully for more than like 40 years. He was Mario Cuomo's enforcer. He would go and do the unspeakable political things that Mario Cuomo was never willing to have associated with his reputation. He's been known that way in New York politics for a very long time. 
This is where like me growing up in New York politics just becomes like super clear because I'm yeah. over here being like, Andrew Cuomo been trash. Like, I don't yeah. know why everyone's running around earlier this year being like, Andrew Cuomo. And I'm over here being like, <laughs> it was bad. where are you from? <laughs> You're not, you didn't you grow up here? Cause Andrew Cuomo was a piece of shit. Um, but no, he's been known for this for a very long time. Um, and you know, I, I have not had a lot of great things to say about him other than, I mean, he's not a neophyte. He knows what he's doing in government, which is why the nursing home situation is by far the worst situation. It's kind Mm -hmm. of dark, but like the real issue is that there's a massive policy and governmental failure was being overlooked because Andrew Cuomo is not a great person, which is, you know, I mean, he's a piece of shit, but and I'm not going to diminish this. Like, obviously, he should resign from office after serious sexually harassing people. That's a very obvious thing unto itself. It's not behavior you want to condone or, or recognize or encourage. But the giant policy failure that led to thousands of deaths is getting slightly less attention than the sexual harassment claims, which to me seems to be a fundamental problem with how we're talking about government at all. Because yeah. that in and of itself should have crushed him. And this should be the damn, there ain't nothing good about this guy. He's not even a good person. How do you respond to, I've heard a lot of complicated things about the nursing home things. And I admit I've been sort of like indulging the idea that it could be more complicated than it seems because at the time, so what the Cuomo administration did is that they let um, patients that had tested positive for COVID and had been in the hospital back into nursing homes. And um, at the time, like people were definitely coming in with, and they still had COVID. That was like a CDC guideline. And then when it, when the nursing home deaths were out of control and it was clear that that was probably not a good idea, that was what led to the cover up. And the administration has said that they wanted to do, that they did sort of cover up these numbers and include them in a different category because they just were nervous that the Trump administration was going to undermine them and it would ultimately hurt New York. What do you make of the argument that they were just doing what, like, what should they have done, do you think? Well, there was a lot of contemporaneous reporting talking about how the New York State's guidelines for nursing homes Regardless, uh, there was no pandemic planning already done at the state level. Exactly, which is his fault. Massive issues with this that are separate from Trump. And the desire to force everything off onto Trump is its own problem. Like Democrats have not been doing good governance and they've been hiding behind Republican viciousness and actual Nazis to avoid taking responsibility for the fact that they aren't actually doing their jobs properly. That is the problem. So from my perspective, I think that, you know, uh, I mean, quote, there's a lot of contemporaries reporting that said that there, this was a problem. There's a lot of people saying, like, this is alarming. Like, we're, we're not able to get people su- successfully put in the right places. We're not able to transfer them out of nursing homes when they get COVID. We're having these massive pileups. We're not getting responses from the state. There's, we're being undermined in terms of resources. Up, down, like there was everything yeah. about that situation was fucked. And so, yeah, I think that's a really important reminder because when that was happening, it is important to remember that there was reporting on that as it was happening, but it was also, that was also the time where he was on TV every day and people were thirsting over him on TikTok. I will not deny that we indulged that too. And that was not the right approach to take. When all of that was happening, people weren't paying attention to the nursing home stuff. 
Like that did happen. So it is wrong. It's a be- it's incorrect to say, well, they just did what the CDC said because the state had evidence as it was happening that they needed to do something else, that, it, yeah. that people were dying. It wasn't just like after the fact, like, oh shit, that turned out bad. We won't do that next time. As it was happening, steps were not taken to stop it. Yeah, and there was great- It's like, it's, it's like it- if like we now were like, like, oh, well, I'm not gonna wear my mask because the Texas mask mandate is, Texas is fine, so I'm not gonna wear a mask in New York. It's like, we know by now that the rules on the page, I don't wanna undermine like faith in them, but like, you have to look at what's actually happening with, with the disease in your community. Like, it's a big country. Yeah, and also like, you can also look at other countries and just see how they're dealing with things and masks are still pretty common outside of the United States unless you've gotten it to down to a point where you know exactly where the virus, like literally who it's incubating inside. And you have those people separated from the population and you have them under routine care. And that number is very low that, that you need it to be under like, a, we're still at like thousands of cases per day. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, oh my God. We it's were as like, bad as it going was. Down. Every, we're no. fine now. I'm like, we're back to where we were in October before we all went up the murder mountain. This is not, this is not good. We're just like, good. We got back to where we were when we were just dying by the few hundred every day. Yeah. When you get to the top of a roller coaster and you start your descent, you don't want to get stuck. You don't want to get stuck halfway the fuck down. That's the worst part. That is where we are if these people stop wearing masks. I read that South Carolina is now letting uh, events up to 250 people, which is like, that's not a cap. That's why even bother. That's that's enough. And I want to be clear that in these Southern states, they're definitely at this point targeting the most vulnerable populations who there continue to be with lower vaccination rates. It is, and there's a lot put out about Black skepticism because we've been used as actual experiments uh, across American history as re- very, very recently. recently. Very, like my parents lived through a lot of times where people were being ex- like literally experimented on. Tuskegee was in like 1979 ended or something. 1972, I think is when it ended. But even if it didn't end then, you should check out Mississippi appendectomies and Norplant in Baltimore, the sterilization against the will of black women across this country's history is unbelievable. You will be stunned and horrified. And that kept going straight up and through the eighties. So my parents were adults when Americans have been experimenting on black people and yes. we are still taking, we're, our skepticism is still lower than white Republicans. And yet people are keep talking about how black people who have very good reasons for being skeptical are like, okay, well let's get vaccinated anyway. And yet rich counties are getting more vaccinations. There's a problem here. Whiter people are getting more vaccinations and these Southern states are putting brown people and black people at danger knowingly at this point. Yeah, that's our show until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to suppod at Betches.com. 